You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is episode 14, and that is legacy numbering by 14. I'm here with my man, Matt, to start things off. What up, Matt? What up, Jim? What up? And here we are. We're right in the gang war. We're going to have a lot of gang war till March. That's the craziest part of it. March, mm-hmm. this thing is going to. But me and my man, Matt, will take care of those books, and then we'll be joined by other people like Gray. And Zach, where we'll talk about some other things that came out this week. But before we get into it all, let me remind everybody to check out our Twitter at Weird Science DC. Follow us, we'll follow you back. Check out our website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, where you can see written reviews by Sus Gabe. And also, sometimes I, I will check in with a video or two, which leads me to ask everybody to check out our YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics. And then if you want to hear more and more and more comic book podcasts, I would say people listening to this probably like podcasts and like comics, go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, where we have a ton of things. Me and Matt at the moment are doing our crisis slash events podcast going through Jonathan Hickman's 2015 Secret Wars that we're digging until this last episode and (laughs) an issue where. The trade changed up and didn't quite match the, the individual yeah. issues. You were reading trade. I was reading issues. It, it caused a little bit of strife. We got a little bit mad about that, but that's not here nor there. Mm-hmm. And you can go and check out all the links to those things in the show notes. But here we are. Gang war. I don't know. I, I still don't really have that huge an opinion of gang war. I, I'm not hooked yet. Nothing's really got me. We talked about it last week about the main book, the idea that, and I'll say from here on out, I'm considering Amazing Spider-Man and Miles to be the co-main books, and then the others just the tie-ins. But the main deal that we started out with, it just, it's just not really anything I feel like is that not that important, but that interesting to invest in all of the gangsters, all of the crime stuff. I guess that's what you end up having these tie-ins for. Like, you can end up, okay, I like Luke Cage, but do they feel like they matter? I don't know. No, not really. It's it's weird, too, because if if you look at the map, it has a lot of different gangs, I guess. But then they keep adding, like, other characters, like uh, different characters, like Smythe and another issue we're going to talk about that aren't there already enough gangs? Do you need more people? Well, it's funny, too, because we looked at it and we, we kind of laughed at some of the things when we first saw the whole map. And we're like, OK, like you got the Rose, you got Madame Mask now. They can put her in Lady Yulon, Hobgoblin, you, you know, OK, Al, you got some big. Then you start going like, oh, Frost Pharaoh. On the Miles side of the street, <laughs> it's bad, man. Frost Pharaoh and the Bumblers. Are nonsense. Yeah, it's the Bumbler, Stumbler, Rumbler. I need them to be a trio <laughs> going on. And you're like, really? Frost Pharaoh and the Bumbler. But we'll we'll deal with them today in this yeah. episode. Even the idea of the heat that we'll deal with in this issue, because we're going to start with Daredevil Gang War number one. The play is this heat. And it's been something, if you haven't been reading the regular Daredevil book with Matt by Salonina Med. The Heat are kind of there. They're this new form gang that is 
gang part police officers a lot of people gathering together to just do bad stuff they even ended up having bullseye in the last issue but they haven't really sunk in with me in fact me and you are doing the things and i said that's the heat from the daredevil and you're like oh that was them i'm like yeah it seems to be and when we get into this at, at one point electra who isn't really in the matt daredevil book which i'm sure that's probably a good thing you want to focus on matt and that but she says in this oh man me and matt have been taking down that old heat i'm like have you have you been there i think she's taking a lot of credit for something she wasn't really involved with (laughs) but this is daredevil gang war number one erica schultz writing sergio davilia on pencil sean parsons on inks and cc de la cruz colors and then thesis clayton coles on letters so you end up, I like the art in this. I think the art's pretty oh, yeah. cool. And again, when I say about, hey, we have the two main books, Spider-Man, you end up having Miles. And Spider-Man seems you're going to get a lot of the gangs. We're going to get a lot of Tombstone, stuff like that. So these tie-ins, okay, you can have some fun. Oh, my God. And this one, I think, could even be a little more. I'm not going to say everybody out there loves the idea of Elektra being Daredevil. But at this point, why not? Because Matt's, I actually, I was going to say Matt's being Daredevil, but he's having problems himself. But the yeah. idea that Electra's still doing Daredevil stuff is fine. And I don't mind that she's doing it here in a tie-in to this whole gang war. Because if you do like Electra's Daredevil or don't mind it, yeah, you can, you know, get your Electra action. It's okay. I mean, we're going to save that a lot with these tonight. The idea that this issue, it's not horrible. No. I think Erica Schultz does a good enough job. You said it's it's pretty much, you know, a competently written comic, but yep. that doesn't mean that it's grabbing me that I'm like, oh, God, because there's four issues of this. We're going to have this all the way again till March. I don't know if I was out and about just reading, picking up, whatever. I don't know if I would think I need to have this on my pull. I yeah, think probably that this not. is for completists mm-hmm. or also just people who like Elector or Daredevil, you know? so. You end up having it, but there's nothing really horrible about it because she's dealing with the heat. She's in Hell's Kitchen. It makes sense. Matt not showing up kind of feels weird, but that's kind of how sometimes these things play out. But you get this narration. I said it's a bit of over-narrated, and it's, it's just cringy, that whole play of, you know, Hell's Kitchen's my place, and the the night is as dark as this and you have a lot of that and it yeah. didn't feel quite like oh it did but didn't it just felt like when you jump into these things i would like to assume that most people know electro that are going to get this and most people in general if and, you're reading marvel that it feels like you you're stuck between trying to introduce the character to new readers but also just doing some you know electro ass kiss kissing kicking but <laughs> By the end, you you don't really have enough to do both, and it just no, kind of feels a little it, goofy. It's weird too because she's saying this to Spider Man, and like, listen, like, lady, that's Manhattan's my entire space. I know about Hell's Kitchen. I, it's yeah, and, and that's the big play about you know you don't understand <laughs> yeah, Hell's like well I don't understand. Okay, I wanted Peter to like time out. Listen, I know <laughs> that we're kind of separating things here, but I'm a New Yorker. Yeah. I have heard of Hell's Kitchen before, and I have teamed up with you and daredevil a lot that. of times so please i know but again it's like caught in that space between trying to introduce things to people or trying to get a tone for people who might not know it but might be 
a little too much, but really all it is is it's overlapping just a big fight issue. Yeah. And that's, that's what, what most of these have been and will continue to be as we go forward in this episode. Most of the stuff going on is, hey, we're going to go to our area and we're going to fight. You know that because on that issue you're talking about, uh, Miles goes off and does something and Daredevil does something. Now we're seeing what they're doing, basically. It works out. It yeah. just it might not feel that necessary. It might not no, feel not. that crazy over the top, like, oh, my God, this makes the event bigger. But at least and you, you're, you'll be with me here. There are a lot of events that the tie-ins lessen the event so much, at least it doesn't do that. But I, no, I'm it, telling you right now, after after these couple weeks, I'm getting the play that these tie-ins, not necessary. Read the main books, I said, Miles and Peter. And even if you just read Amazing Spider-Man, I think that you'd get most of the story as yeah, well, because that's where the big things are going on. But you end up where... Electra goes off and she's going to check out the heat. She's going to go protect Hell's Kitchen. She ends up running into Lieutenant Scarf. We're going to say his name yeah, is. Yeah, go with that. He's another guy from this heat that, again, it's a gang of bad guys who are also a lot of cops, bad things going on. They all come together and they're fighting. We saw that in the Daredevil book. The funny thing, and we're going to have another little play tonight the idea that she takes him down. It's like, hey, Scarf. You better watch yourself. And he goes, hey, what? Just because you know who? Of course she knows who you are. You're, you're not you're not disguised. And <laughs> she knows she's good enough to have figured out who is what and whatever. But he almost feels like he's like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter if you know me. The heat's going to get you. And then there's just going to be, you know, she's going to take him down. And then suddenly she's attacked by this new villain. That shows up looks like Red X It looks to me uh, mm-hmm. In the DC side of thing And they start fighting And it's okay I mean that's the thing What you want to have in this And if you're going to have four issues You have to at least find somebody or something That's going to be able to fight Electra toe to toe Or what are you going to do for four issues You know what I mean Like You have yeah. to have some sort of thing And I'll give Erica Schultz credit Also shows you that As far as Electra goes There's really not that much for her to do in a gang war so you have to give her something to do for four issues and it's all of a sudden this new assassin that ends up fighting oh my god looks like adamantium blades oh my god they can go toe to toe with me and at one point this new villain distracts electra then electra distracts that while the scarf is cutting himself out of these ropes that he's tied up from when electra took him down but in the end you end up having this villain get away throws down some smoke yeah the classic throw the smoke bomb and disappear and it just disappears and <laughs> it's just a, a weird thing where all this is going i will say one thing about it at points i thought that maybe the art which i do like it wasn't quite keeping pace with what was going on and he had a couple weird little mentions of like hey where are you going as this villain it looks like full out attacking Electra, like going there's mm-hmm. they're there they're attacking you but i like the design i like the design of this new villain cool i'm look, interested yeah. to see also if if you are if anybody out there gets a chance ever to draw Electra as daredevil especially just remember that at one point they're going to make you have her take off the helmet and her hair is going to go nuts i mean oh my she, god she takes off the mask and the how could that hit? Like, that is the mystery <laughs> of all mysteries. Like, the, somebody has to 
figure out where in that there's like a negative space that that hair must go to because it is crazy. And that hair is amazing. I mean, seriously, it is cool. I love when they had when, and again, a lot of people, I hate to say anything about Electra's Daredevil because a lot of people end up getting so mad. I didn't mind it, though that was also when I think of when I started losing interest in the Chip Zdarsky deal. It wasn't because of Electra, though. It was a bunch of other things, but I would say I love the costume, Daredevil, the look of it. I do not like that scarf that she wears, though. I wish she just got rid of that. But yeah, the great train robbery is going to happen yeah. with that. But uh, there were cool panels and things, though, when she first showed up as Daredevil, and you just have her sitting up on a ledge. And mm-hmm. Her hair was like eight feet by twenty million feet. Oh. It was crazy, but I like it. I, I think it's cool. But uh, she's there, and like, oh, I got to figure out who this is, and. That's going to be her focus right now. Focus on the heat, which is connected because then she figures out that this villain is part of the heat. So she goes back to her apartment and then Owsley shows up. Poor <laughs> Owsley just is like, first off, maybe he should knock on the door. He's like, like crouching really, in the window. Right? There's not really a reason that he has to crawl. Like you could say to me, well, he doesn't want to get hurt. No, you're going to get hurt if you crawl through the window. <laughs> like that that's bad even if you aren't going into Electra's apartment. If this was just anybody's. He's crawling through the window, so he had to run up all of the fire escape. I just imagine him doing all this nonsense instead of just going in and knocking. Because she pushes him off the fire. Well, she she just destroys him <laughs> and then Owsley must like it. Because he doesn't say anything and she's beating the crap at him. And I think everybody reading this Nobody's thinking, oh, my God, Owsley was going to sneak no, he in just and, wants to and talk. stab her. You know he wants to talk. So when he first shows up, I'm telling you this should be something he's smart enough to be on like, hey, Alexa, like he's not even showing himself yet. It's Owsley, but don't don't attack me, please. And then say whatever. He gets the crap kicked out until finally he's like, she realized she stops. And says, oh, you're not fighting back. He's like, yeah, I, I'm not here to fight. Why did you say that right away? Why don't you come with your hands up? He comes in like a, comes in like the creeper. Yep. Comes in like Gabe. So then you end up where <laughs> he's like, oh, man, you know, I just want to give you some info. And she's like, why do you want info? And again, it makes sense. I think that Electra's smart enough to realize, like, in a gang war, though, she doesn't seem to understand the full scope. But I think they should. The idea that. All these guys, you could end up, go to Lady Yulon and say that Mr. Negative was talking crap. We even saw, you know, Hammerhead do mm-hmm. just that. You'll get some of them to tell you something. And that's Absolutely. what he's like. He said, oh, all this is going down. And then, by the way, everybody wants to be the king and queen of the hill. Everybody's going for everything. It's not just Hell's Kitchen. It's a city, but there's going to be a shipment. And it involves the heat. And you'll be able to take them out. And he says, I'm a businessman. I'm going to do, I'm going to go to the side who I think is going to win. And at this point, I'm looking at the bumbler. I see the frost, you know, pharaoh. I think <laughs> I'll go with Electra. And, and I'm telling you, you can point out all the rest of them. If you have in that equation, the bumbler and the frost pharaoh, screw that. I'm, I'm not going with them. I'm going with Electra. But yeah. he says there is this, you know, shipment coming in. Again, it's a weird way to tie everything in. You know, this is more, again, a gang war where all this, it makes sense. What it is is there's going to be, well, I was going to say weapons. It seems like a weapon might be coming in, but everybody's gearing up. Everybody's getting some things, and this is where Electra's going to go down to, 
you know, the whole play at this warehouse. She's going to figure this out when she looks in. And even then before, it's funny because then she goes to Peter to then only say that she's going to do it alone. I think you just have to keep tying things <laughs> in. Like, I better go check in with old Pete. Hey there, Spider-Man. And Peter's pretty messed up, too. He's like huffing and puffing. Oh, yeah. He's having problems. Costumes all torn. So that's kind of cool. But he, she's like, I'm going to go do this. And when she goes, she sees this villain that this assassin she ran into. And it's weird, too, because I'm sure now, now that I see it, I think somebody's going to be like, oh, you schmucks, we've seen this thing that reminds me of something. But I think it was like an X-Men thing, but I, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But Cyclops' mask maybe the X on it. Yeah, it's just, yeah, maybe it is when he had that X mask. Uh, the idea, though, uh, where she's there, this scarf, he got away, but his arms hurt. And in this, <laughs> there's this weird play. Where everybody ends up having like a boo-boo and somebody has to say something. Electra has a cut from this assassin. That's a small little cut, too. And Owsley keeps going back to uh-huh. her. Oh, you better watch it. You better watch it. So I'm thinking, is that a play? It seems weird to really push that. Is that a play that the dagger of the assassin he says it's was gonna get infected. laced with something Maybe. to make it something like all of a sudden she's going to get an infection? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that I need, you know, oh, my God. Electra's got an infection. Who would have thought? But she goes to this warehouse and looks in and sees that it's this assassin. But she's going to bust in and fight everybody. But you have to wait a second because at that point, you can't even tell what happened to the scarf's arm. And this assassin goes, I'm just going to call them X. X says, hey, I'll help you with that arm. At that point, I'm like, I don't really need help. I mean, I think that the problem is (laughs) scarf is he's, he's a drama king. He's yep. just, he is really going for the, oh my, nobody he's knows going for the, the pain sympathy. I've been in. Yeah. He's doing, it's not even bleeding. He <laughs> he's covering it up and you don't see anything. It's like, oh man, I'm really hurt. I'm really hurt. I think also he wants like time off, paid time off. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's going to get workman's cop. And <laughs> X is like, oh no, no, I'm going to fix this. At, this progression is weird. Shoves his hand into this box. They're bringing up all grinder. these. Yeah, they're bringing all of these <laughs> crates in. So when you have that, you have this ex yelling, put this in, this will help. Shoves his arm. Now, a guy behind them that is just just a schmo, he's just a heat guy, he yells, let him go. But it's weird because at that point, there is a big electric charge. I thought it was the guy Behind that we were going to find out it's like Mr. Electric or something, but it's actually the electricity coming out of the box because then out of nowhere, he pulls his arm off and he's Mega Man. Mm -hmm. He's got a huge cannon that's now fused onto his arm. He he took it pretty well. Whether he wants it or not, it's on there. He's He's yelling at one point, ah, but that Metroid. And then he goes, (laughs) whoa, ho, ho. This isn't what I expected. And so all the rest of these guys are standing around and yeah, put the guns down. How many of these you got, lady? And then she says, that's the only one. It's a prototype. And then I'm thinking, well, what's in the other things? I guess just regular guns that they were grabbing. They all want that stupid gun. I on know. They want, to, they, they want to be Mega Man. <laughs> and then she's like, nope, that's a prototype. But if this weapon proves useful, my, you know, my employer will provide more. I don't th- just imagine them. They go right. And he's like, this is awesome. All these guys are loving it. Like, oh, man, boom, boom, boom. And he's like, I got to go to the bathroom. Oh, no. And he can't wipe his <laughs> seven problems. He's like, 
I'm looking now. He's like, I'm a lefty when I do. He's like, oh, crap. It's not the stranger that you'd want. It's no. this gun. Like, I'm telling you, it looks like it's so heavy, too. You know what I mean? That he's just going to fall over. He's got, just imagine him sleeping <laughs> and the gun arm like falls over the edge and it flings him out of the bed and shoots himself. You don't want that. It's going to be a lot of problems. I, I need now, there's going to be a mini series. Just two issues. It's just Scarf and his gun arm. All the trials and tribulations that he has with that stupid gun arm. Like he can't cut steak anymore. Big heat softball team. You can't play shortstop now. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, he's like, but I have a cannon for an arm. But yeah, he's there just looking at it. He seems very impressed. And then, of course, right then, Electra bus throws. So this guy's going to go crazy. Also, this shouldn't affect his shoulder. That is what Electra said was dislocated. Exactly. And also said that that gun that he had, just a regular service, it would throw. This thing, it's going to rip his whole arm off. It's going to be crazy, but what would you give this? <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, I'd give this one a seven. I, I mean, I like the I'm art. I'm going to give it a seven, too. There's I some cool the splash Again, pages and stuff. It was goofy by the yeah. end. It, I wish that we, I don't know what progression. I wanted more of that arm, but it was weird. She just goes, hey, come here, grabs it, shoves it in the box. And then he's like, yo, ho, ho, and a bottle <laughs> of rum with this thing. I'm expecting this what I expected. and shoot. What was he expecting? I don't know. Shove the arm into a crate. And he goes, this wasn't what I was expecting. All right. I'd- it's like, the, you know, when you have a garbage disposal and you're like, oh, what would happen if I put my hand in there? It's kind of the same. But it's it's a crate. <laughs> like, in my mind, I'm telling you how I'm, I mean. I only I, think of one thing. There's like cobras in there and I'm like Chris Angel. Like, oh, no. Like, yeah. something's going to start biting me. Oh, I'm definitely like- interested in seeing the next issue. So I'll give it that. Yeah. I like Electra too. See it, what it just, happens. Now that we kind of went and the, you know, there's only a little bit, but like I said, it, it kind of ends up just being there of, okay, we get it. We know there. And also the idea in this where Electra is, she knows less than we do at one point. She's like, I don't know what this gang war is about. Well, we do. Yeah. You got to realize that people know that. I know it makes sense with the character, but kind of get to it. But really, it's just a fight, but it was okay. It was okay. I'll go seven as well. And I, like you said, I now I just I'm telling you 100% Scarf is the only reason I want to pay attention from mm-hmm. here on out. I got to see what happens to him, and then you know the rest is bonus. So I'm going to go seven as well. But we'll move on to the next issue. And the next book is Luke Cage Gang War number two. This shocked me that this came out. It feels really quick. It right? is two yeah, weeks. It's very odd. But it's written by Rodney Barnes, art by Ramon F. Box, colors by Andrew Dollhouse, and letters by BC's Travis Lanham. And in that first issue, you had pretty much Luke, you know, tangling a bit with Alistair Smythe, the spider slayer and these robot army he had. And the big play is, oh, my, I'm the mayor, but the Fisk's law doesn't allow me to be, you know, my real bulletproof Luke Cage deal. So I'm going to get a suit that looks like Shaquille O'Neal's steel outfit from the movie. And I'm going to go undercover. To fight, and even at that point, before we even get into this, just the idea that he thinks that nobody is going to recognize that it's him going around in that stupid suit <laughs> is beyond me. It gets worse in this one. It gets actually hilarious when it happens. And again, though, before we go, I like Rodney Barnes, and this issue is going to be pretty much like we said about the whole Daredevil one this week, is the idea that it's it's okay. 
it does its own thing. You have them. I don't know that I actually need to have, you know, a Spider Slayer versus Luke Cage deal. To me, that really points out, I've said it before, I said it to you even when we were off the mic, the idea where it shows you there's not a ton to do with the whole gang war. Like, it's not like Luke Cage is going after any of the big gang people because they're going to go against each other. We're going to keep that there. So you need to figure out something. That's why a lot of these end up feeling unnecessary. They could still be some fun. And you get Danny here. and. Danny is hanging out, and I mentioned this because it'll come up a little later. Danny, I, they're having a mayoral meeting about the city on fire and looting and vandalism. Nobody says, who's this dude standing with you? Yeah, I, the main lieutenant guy is there. Everybody's there. Danny is just there. His trusted advisors. It's like, oh, that's my buddy. <laughs> well, you know, this isn't the time of leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> with his hands in his pockets. Just like, and oh, jeans. I mean, when you look at him, he does look like he's got a goofy, like, I don't know what they're talking about look. But uh-huh. at one point, I need somebody, especially this lieutenant, to say, uh, who's he and why is he here? He shouldn't be here right now. This is, you know, mayor business here. But he's there. I'll mention it again in a little bit. Because while that's going on, you do have Luke. He's talking to Spider-Man. They're trying to figure things out. And the whole play of this lieutenant, who's like a linchpin later, the idea that he's like, I don't know. We're losing control of the city. We got to do this. I don't know what's going on. Maybe you should call in the National Guard. The fist law's in. You're dealing with these masks. Whatever. This guy seems like a law and order type guy. Seems okay. Uh-huh. But then you have the key phrase that'll come up a bunch of times here where Luke Cage says, we'll keep fighting the good fight, Captain. And then at one point, you're like, yeah, go fight the good fight, Captain. Go fight this. Go fight. And then you even have him say, yeah, hey, I'll need if you need me, I'll be on the street fighting the good fight with the air quote. I thought he was like kind of mocking Luke Cage when he said that, like this guy doesn't know what he's I talking think about. That he's mad because he thinks again that Luke should be calling in some extra help. Uh-huh. That Luke is not calling in the National Guard. He should do that. I agree. I mean, crap's gotten bad. Maybe the city's on fire. I mean, city's on fire. Maybe less Shaquille O'Neal and more actual mayor <laughs> and call in. But that wouldn't make a good comic. Did, though, didn't right? Shaquille O'Neal? Though you could correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he try to become a sheriff at one point? Oh yeah. So this is basically Shaquille O'Neal walking around. If we can go with it, you just up my score. <laughs> Luke Cage is Shaquille O'Neal here as mayor. And I exactly. love it. But, so they all go out. I mean, advisors, police, and Danny's still there. Hey, what do you want to do? He's like, Luke says, I got a team I got together. Do you want to be part of it? Of course he does. And then it was kind of crazy, too, because then we go off and we'll end up having a couple characters throughout this night too mentioned or in because jessica i didn't think you were going to get her involved i thought maybe she'd be babysitting danny or watching danny i guess it's not babysitting yeah, because she mother, never does anything but detective work and watch her kid That's at it. this moment she's also teamed up with misty knight trying to figure out who century is i mean she's doing a lot of- yeah that's right yeah exactly and, and at that point danny was being watched by luke or as we like to call him, Shaquille O'Neal. But you end <laughs> up where I think Danny's just walking around random. We'll just have a random scene where Danny's just like walking through an alleyway. I love Danny, by the way. But there is Jessica. She starts kicking butt and then realizes that these things that now she's fighting as well are these robots 
from Alistair Smythe when when Luke shows up in his costume. And here's the thing. I know that she is married to Luke. I knows him, right? Yeah. But she should say, because she, she's not fooled, because nobody would be. It, here's this <laughs> humongous, bulletproof black man who just is Luke Cage now knocking heads, but he's got a... He's got a steel outfit on, and nobody seems to know it's him. But she's like, hey, you know, where'd you get the outfit? I'm supposed to want to pick out your outfits, which you had a problem with. I got a major problem with it. She's the worst dressed person in the Marvel Universe. I mean, she's horrible. Is it one of those, like, the people who, okay, I have two suits, and, the, you know, you open up their closet, and they have, you know, 50 of each suit because yeah. it's easier like that Marge way. Like Simpson wearing the same dress. Steve Jobs just always had a black turtleneck and jeans. That was it. It's easy for her. She grabs there. She's like, what am I going to wear today? I'm going to get that jacket, the white tee. And her, her T-shirt's even ripped. I don't know what she's doing. At one point, I, I like the art in this. Yeah. At one point when she says, love what it does for the torso, suddenly she becomes, she looks like, like a 13-year-old. Oh, yeah. The art, the art changes in a disturbing way there. Yeah. Yeah. Very odd. Now, all of a sudden, if anybody's watching, Luke is legitimately getting shot by lasers and <laughs> bullets and nothing's happening because he's, I mean, because he is Luke. Again, all this is they wanted to have some new costume. I think it was a misplay. They could have done better. But when you're running around and you keep having like everything exposed and you really look like kind of going with the whole Power Man deal, but in, in steel, but not, it's just wacky. But he ends up destroying these things and explains to Jessica, hey, it doesn't matter, they're robots. And then says, I'm getting a team together. You want to get on the team? And she says right away, Danny's on the team, right? And he's like, no, no, well, yes. And she's like, yep, because he's your other lover. They have that play <laughs> throughout this, but she's on the team, right? Mm -hmm. Well, he explains to her and everybody else at the one point that the Fisk's Law, that's why he wears a mask. Why I have a new outfit is because I, I can't be seen. I can't have anybody figure me out. I already said that it's kind of ridiculous because you can tell that there's not many people built like Luke Cage and look like Luke Cage. You just put a little domino mask, whether it's made of steel or mm -hmm. you end up where you're going to be able to tell it's him. But when you then team up with your best friend who <laughs> was there in the off mayor's office with you and your wife, neither are wearing any sort of costume or any sort of mask. I mean, Jessica, she only has one costume, leather jacket, white shirt, pants. That's what she's at. If you haven't figured out at that point, I'm telling people around in the city, if you haven't figured out that this guy running around is, you're going to figure out because he's there with his wife and best friend. His entire entourage. Yeah, is, you know. it's, it's just ridiculous that <laughs> he thinks that he needs to wear that when they're running around like that, but they're going to go and they're going to take out Smythe and they go and that's the focus Of this book and it seems like it'll Continue to be and it's it's okay It just shows you that There's not really enough going around To have really stories That really tie in To the gang war but they're doing their own thing As the city burns and Luke's mayor so it works Out but you have Smythe who he's are There and he's got a robot Army at this point it just looks like Regular robots but later They become huge mechas But yeah they're going to go and you have Rikers Island that's being attacked. And that's where we get the captain from earlier, the police chief, all these guys. They're there. 
And you have Luke and his crew show up Like, you know, they're just running in Again, Jessica, no mask or outfit Danny's there, he was just in the You know, the office with this captain And you also have Cloak and Dagger Who, I didn't mention it last time But they are right now Orcus Hounds So that makes a little bit of a weird play But you have to kind of fudge things And things like this, but it's okay Through all this you end up where Jessica starts ripping things apart. Luke, he's getting shot. They're going to help these police. And then they say, hey, police officers, we're going to go in and take care of this. We're going to take care of what's going on. And this captain, captain who was kind of very familiar with Luke, obviously doesn't recognize his voice, but he says, "I, you're under arrest. I have to arrest you. Luke turns and says, no, no, no. You keep doing what you're doing. We're going to go in here. And by the way, we're going to keep fighting the good fight. And there is the look of, oh, my God, it's Luke. He just cracked the code. This is why there's bad crime in New York City. This is a, He didn't know that this was Luke. There's Luke's <laughs> wife. All this, the guy who was hanging with Luke in the office two minutes ago. They're all there. And he's like, oh, my God, I think that might be the mayor. I needed that other guy to go, come on now. We all know it's Shaquille O'Neal. So ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. They run into Rikers and Danny just says, Hey, I'm gonna go off this way. You fight these robot soldiers. Danny goes off on a stairway that ends up with the tech that you would have guarding some huge diamond. He's jumping around. It's Mission Impossible times. But are they, would those lasers kill him or are they just triggering an alarm? Would. Yeah. But he gets away and he runs and kicks in the door. Then immediately gets shot. <laughs> Good reflexes, buddy. He kicks in the door. Oh, my God, that's Alistair Smythe. He's like, I'm going to take you down now. And all of a sudden, you have a bunch of these robot soldiers come. All right, this will be fun. Kicks the head off of one and then just gets shot. That wasn't a very good fight. Why did you have that happen? It was very odd. Mm -hmm. You also have Cloak. He gets some of these bad guys and, you know, obviously gets them in the Cloak. Yeah. Last issue, there was a little bit of a problem with that. One. There was because he thought they were going to have souls. Yeah. Now he just kills them. Yeah, now he just destroys them in there. So you end up where it's like, okay, everything's done. And then, boom, you're in at the HQ of Alistair with Danny on the ground. <laughs> They're looking at him. And then all that happens here to finish this issue is that Alistair says, all right, I'm going to press this button. Self-destruct or something. Self-destruct all of this. They don't grab him. He's there. Luke could probably just knock him out right there, right? But instead, they're like, oh, crap. And they start running full speed. And Jessica's the one who's carrying Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. He's he looks there. like a little kid. Oh, he's there. She's like, got him there. And Luke's just running behind. Everybody's going in a... You end up where they jump through the door. Everything blows up. It's all on fire. They look back, and I'm like, well, what happened to Alistair? Because he was just there with them. I, I'd laugh if he was running right behind them, and then he just sneaks away. I don't know. He ends up getting out because then we end. Some really quick cuts at the end, right? The yeah. idea they're in Abrupt that. Ending. Yeah, they're in that control room. You end up where they get Danny, and then you end up, hey, I'm going to press this. Blow up, boom, and then the next panel. You have what looks like sentinels. Most people see them and, and think they're sentinels, but they are those robots from before. They have the same look, mm-hmm. but these are huge. And that they're standing outside. Yeah, yeah. And they're standing outside, you know, City Hall. And you end up where this Alistair says, I'm going to mess up your workplace. And then you have classic Luke Cage yell, Sweet Christmas. And then we'll see what happens. But 
kind of, I don't know, that ending made me giggle. It's like so over the top that it's kind of funny. None of these people are being given a lot to work with in these tie-ins in my mind. So they're just like, hey, let's have some fun. I had some fun. I laughed that Luke Cage really thinks he's fooling. And I need it at the end where he thinks that he has fooled everybody and nobody was fooled. The only person who was fooled was that captain. He was the only one that didn't realize that that was Luke Cage. But there might be something to that. They might play that out. Alistair did. He knew it. <laughs> like everybody knew. Everybody knew us except the captain. Speaking of Alistair, what do you think about his look? I don't. I never liked him. I never <laughs> liked him. He loved the look of the Iron Spider suit, and then tried to morph into it, but didn't quite get there. And he's he never wears a shirt. It's like, dude, I don't know what's going on here. I think the problem is, is he can't find the shirt with holes in the <laughs> shoulders. <laughs> he's got those bike shorts on. But he's he's ripped up. He's muscular. He's got abs and stuff. But but would you bother with that if you had those things growing off your back? Would you even bother? No. Like, well, <laughs> what, is, what is somebody going to look? It's like, oh, my God, look at that guy. He's got a six pack. I don't see those tentacles coming out his back. <laughs> Seriously, I don't think anybody's going to want to be in the room with him. He's got the long flowing hair. He gets it styled. Yeah, I'm not going to say the guy's handsome or anything, but he <laughs> looks like he could be the guitarist for Cinderella or something. He's got bike pants on and mm-hmm. no shirt. The guy has no shame. But what would you give this? I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Yeah, I'm a seven and a half too. That is, that will go. So we're both seven five on this. It was fun. And now I like it a little more. I mean, I could have, I was a seven until you reminded me or actually made it dawn on me that it's Shaquille O'Neal as mayor. I could go for that, but we'll go on to the next book. All right. And the last book of this gang or section will be Miles Morales, Spider-Man. And if anybody wondered why we did that whole, you know, the way that these lined up, this lineup, uh, the way I did, I just went by the checklist. We'll just yeah. go by that as we go. I don't think it really matters that much. Not really. But I figured, eh, that's a pretty cool way because Miles, to me, should be the bigger book of the ones that we're talking about. And again, I haven't been reading the Miles book. A lot of people have told me early to read it. I'm not a big Cody Ziegler fan. No. Mainly from the Beyond stuff. And then when you had the Dark Web, and that's it, just, he is not great in my mind. But and, uh, what was the other one? The, the, the Spider Man. Oh, uh, Spider Punk. Spider, Spider Punk. Yeah. I understand people like what they like. It's just, I'm telling. And that's, kind of the play with everything that we do i just don't like his writing i think he gets too goofy i think that he doesn't he doesn't visualize the scene fully so there's always some weird things that seem to pop up and things like that and kind of do in this but not that bad and i i said people told me from the get-go you should read his miles he's actually good at miles read this and i just i was making a stand i'm a stubborn prick so i ended up where i am But we have to read it here. So I didn't read any other issues, but I may. I actually may go back and read. I We'll see if I do it and if I start from the beginning. But this is probably some of the better dialogue that I've read from Cody Ziegler. He has some weird things that are going on in the overall story. Uh And the art, which I see a lot of people liking, gets a little choppy in this. There's a bunch of fights, there's a bunch of things going on, and I kind of lose track at points of what is happening, but overall, it's decent. It's kind of mm-hmm. the, you know, our whole mantra I for tonight. I was pleasantly surprised based on what I thought going into it. So was I. So that's pretty cool. It is, as I said, Miles Morales Spider-Man, and I believe it is issue number 13. That's the other thing, too. When I went to read it, and I'm like, okay, for some reason I thought there was way more issues 
because I just haven't been paying attention to it. So I'm like, yeah, that's doable. Uh, but it's written by Cody Ziegler, art by Federico Vicentini, Brian Valenza on colors, letters by BC's Corey Petit. And again, if you look at the Gang War Territories map and you sit there and think, oh, my God, like a big, <laughs> I was going to say Big Ben, but even like Al, the Heat, the Rose, where are the big guys? You have Mr. Negative, uh, Diamondback even. Diamondback's cool. He's, he's got two areas. That he's yeah, going, what's going on there? I don't yeah. know, man. <laughs> He stretches himself thin. I know that, you know, that's the big play of the Spider-Woman books. So, you know, they have to get Who's around. Who's Big then, Ben? I've never even know, seen Big that ben. one. That's what I said. I was going to say that. I'm like, mm, <laughs> guy walking around. Ben like, Roethlisberger? That would be funny. He's there. Watch out, ladies. Don't don't go to that borough, <laughs> allegedly. I don't need that. So you end up, and then you have these spider parts there. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. This whole map is kind of goofy. But when you get to this book, well, we'll laugh about all the others. You got Frost Pharaoh and the Bumbler, as we said. And the idea that the Bumbler has anything but possibly an alleyway or is I, I don't even think this guy would control his own apartment. But he's got a section there and he's got it. He's going good with his pal Vespa. But we yeah. start out and again. I never felt lost either. I'll give Cody Ziegler a lot of credit. You end up starting out in Misty Night's safe house and you kind of do get introduced to this. You know, Keisha Kwan, you can tell right away, okay, tech deal, boom, boom, and you get the lay of the land. And while I don't agree with Miles saying, yeah, you know, that Peter, he ghosted me, and he, not really. I mean, Peter was in a lot of, a lot of things were on his plate, and we don't even know, that's the play, too. And if I, I've asked a bunch of people already, and I'll ask you, like, can you really sit there in that six-month period that we were told? That when we jumped into the Zeb Wells stuff, when they said, mm-hmm. okay, this is six months later, everybody hates him, whatever. You know, could you tell me exactly what was going on in those six months? Yeah, Absolutely he's trying to get not. Mary Jane back at points, but no. At one point, the UFOs ended up, you know, hitting him with radiation. He almost died. He was in the hospital. He's, he owed some money. He didn't talk to Mary Jane. The hospital uh, deal. Aunt yeah, Aunt May, the hospital. He could have been in the hospital for all I know, the, all those six months. You know, and then he comes out and repo, he's there hanging yeah, on the repo. stoop. And he, so the idea that he goes some, I really am going, and my stance is that Miles was not paying attention and never went and saw Peter. He was in the hospital. Like the idea, man, that dude, he's not answering my text. Oh, he was in a coma? I don't care. That's ghost to me. He coma yeah. me. So in that, though, in this issue, Cody Ziegler, Miles feels like he kind of feels bad about all of this. Yeah, and this issue, that was a good play. I like that. That's why I just wanted to say it one more time, because I'm pissed off about how he's throwing a lot of shade at Peter. But this seems where he realizes, okay, let's get over that. I really miss him. He, he, you can see now, and I think Cody Ziegler does a really good job of it, maybe even a great job. And I, again, it hurts me to get rid <laughs> of the, that vendetta. But the idea that you see that Miles lashed out because he's sad. He wants Peter to be around. He wants Peter, while he seems proud that he can do things himself, and that's where this Keshquan kind of comes in and says, you don't need him, whatever. I think that he really does want Peter and, and was sad that he wasn't around taking it very personally, not realizing that it wasn't just all Peter's fault. But once we get past that, it's pretty cool. I mean, like I said, I like this whole play. I like his dialogue. It's very quippy. And I think that the problem is, too, is that 
we pretty much have a 20-some page fight. I mean, it is just fight, 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 fight. And in a Spider-Man book, Miles, Peter, whatever, you want to have your spider guy quippy. So you get so in my mind, I think this is where I think Cody Ziegler impressed me. Yes. Because it didn't get too over the top. Like a lot of times something like this will happen and it grates on your nerves by the end. Like you're like, I'm sick of hearing Miles or Peter or anybody keep doing the little jokes and they're there. But they're there and mixed in with other things at one point you do end up getting Misty Knight and Colleen Wing, which even ties into the past where they jump in. And so it does kind of, you know, it scatters the things a bit so it doesn't feel so over the top because you are really fighting some lame, lame villains. I mean, you have Bumbler and Vespa and they keep yelling the, you know, we're the the buzz boys or the bee boys. It's so crazy. But what you have, if you haven't been reading the book and we haven't, you do end up seeing the whole Venom saber and we get a look back at how he trained, which again, it's kind of a, a cool thing, but really all it is is so that we know that he's not going to kill people with it. That's kind of the gist when you go back that this but thing it is, is so cool over to, the top. I to like see him training with Colleen Wing, who's a swords yeah. person. And I know, like so. a lot of people I saw didn't like the idea. And again, you're there and you're like, well, at, unfortunately for a lot of people, I say at this point, you have Nightcrawler, Spider-Man. He's got his, you know, saber deal, his light sword. It's basically and Luke Skywalker. I mean, yeah, I, that's all it is. The and there, when you see it and you read it, there are parts where you can tell that Cody Ziegler is giving a wink, wink to Star Wars, which yeah. I love Star Wars. OG Star Wars. But you end up where I'm like, OK, I get it. And he's there. And again, while they're Misty Knight and Colleen at parts are like so irritated with him, it plays off well with Miles. Just like, oh, man, this is why I'm glad to be an intern. Hey, what are we doing next? Oh, my God. And really where I'll go, I thought, okay, Cody Ziegler, give me more credit, too, because nobody's taking the bumbler any bit seriously. So why wouldn't you goof around? But then you get the Frost Pharaoh. I'm like, now we're Batman 66-ing it up, and it's okay. You end up where he pretty much blasts, you know, the street, this block. Well, it's odd because Frost Pharaoh is one of the gangs, right? So shouldn't his area of New York always be snow-covered? You would think, but maybe Not he's like, maybe occasions. he can't pay for all of it, right? <laughs> it just makes me laugh at the idea that at the point there, they even say, because if you think to yourself that the timing is right here and okay, well, it's kind of getting cold. I or still whatever. think it's kind of early for snow, but yeah. That's the thing. I think it is miles ago. Snow it now? It doesn't make sense. So basically, he's like pumping out the money like he's a, a ski resort. Yeah, but, you're right. But he better win this whole gang war. He's going to be bankrupt because I, it's got to cost some dough here to <laughs> do all that. He's doing all his nonsense. And they're all there. I'm telling you, I thought it'd be funny at one point where all of a sudden, because if, say up me and you are kids on that block, we'd be out like snowball fighting. Next thing you know, Sparrow's oh mecca God. would Terrifying. just stop us. They'd just kill us. I, at, When I grew up, if this would have happened, we'd be trying to play football in the street. And instead of like somebody's yell car and then you move out Mecca and then you move <laughs> out of the way and then you're like Bumbler and then you keep playing because he's nonsense. But you end up where the big fight's going on. And I said, I think that the art in general is pretty good. But at points you, you do what I hate in a fight where you get too close. And there's a couple panels that I was even talking to you about where 
It's a small panel, and then you throw in three or four word bubbles, and you can't even see the art. But overall, you can get the lay of the land and see what's happening. And at one point, when Misty and Colleen show up, badass to it in the car, and Colleen goes to attack the Frost Pharaoh Mecca, and she does stab it with her sword, which From sticks the back, there, which yeah. then allows Miles. After this is one of the things that drove me nuts was Miles ends up his web shooters freeze. So he's laying there in the snow in this whole play and then says, okay, they're unfrozen. I'm like, how would they unfreeze? And then there's a play. It, Cody Ziegler, I don't know where he's from, but they're, you know, legitimately say maybe he's from California. Yeah. And he doesn't really know the snow. Like he might, because I've never in my <laughs> life sat there and said, I have snow in all my, like it's sand. He he plays it off like you're at the beach with sand. I've never once said, oh, no, I got snow in all my cracks or things well, like that. That and also Colleen goes, uh, yeah, the, my, the snow's about to melt. Like Nobody's ever, I've never heard anybody in my life in say my that where you out. And we are, you know, East Coast deal, you know, Northeast. If it's in your boots, it's in your boots. You're screwed either way. Back in the day, back in the day, it used to snow a lot more than now. Yeah. That's, I'm not Never. making any stances <laughs> here or anything, but it used to. Has it snowed in like 10 years? Yeah. Uh, but as a kid, it, it would snow a lot. And there was never once that I'm out there in the snow and I'm like, oh, man, guys, my snow in my boot is melting. And that's the worst thing ever. It doesn't, it, no. 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 Uh, that's silly. I mean, what you do is when you're done, you go home. Like anytime you're out in the snow, anytime. But as a kid, you're playing around. But you got your your socks are always going to be soaked go back when in you go in. New ones. Yeah, you end up having layers of socks. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should have played that because they didn't know. But still, it seemed weird. And they're in New York City. It should have snowed at some point. But I I don't know. It felt like Cody Ziegler has never actually like played in the yeah, snow. I think you're on We'd to have to ask there. him. It was very odd. But uh. He ends up where, again, you don't see Peter doing, or Peter Miles doing anything. It seems to get the web shooters unfrozen, but they do. And he ends up zipping up. And at the uh, point he sees where Colleen's sword is jammed and he uses the Venom Blast on that as a conductor to kind of take out the whole play. It, it, it didn't play out as well as I hoped it would be, even where you look at it. But there's another thing, too, earlier that was funny, because when they were training with the sword, and and I'm talking about the Venom Saber. You have Colleen fighting, and then the Misty shows up and like, hey, let's go. And uh, you got to fight dirty. But did you figured that that was going to end up being something like big by the end here? It really didn't. But they're fighting, and then Miles turns invisible, and Colleen's mm-hmm. like, man, nobody told me he could turn invisible. I'm like, that's like one of the two things that he does. What did they tell you that he does? I mean, really, he's going <laughs> to Venom blast you or turn invisible. That's it. Quip a little. I mean, seriously, but she's, and I like Misty's like, it was in the, you know, the dossier. The The dossier is like two things can turn invisible, venom blast. That's it. That's all there would be there. She didn't read it, but it's kind of fun. But yeah, so with all of that, you are at the end also introduced. We're introduced, but it's something of this book of the, the cape killers, the cape killers there, like high tail. Again, these are characters that have been in the book, but if you're not reading like us, you wouldn't know. But Scorpion and Gust, you can tell Gust does not really fit to be anybody, any sort of bad. Seems very, you know, she seems yeah. very nice and she's like willing immediately when Miles like, hey, I didn't know you. What's your name? Expecting Gust. 
But she says, oh, oh, my, it is J- kind of J- funny. J- this Jackson? actually makes me laugh. She's like, Jade Jackson. And then, yeah, yeah, I tell her, don't tell him your real name. And oh, oh, it, it's Gust. Also, isn't wearing a mask. Like a lot of people are going around without masks. So I think that they could probably, like, even before this, I know for Misty Knight has already gotten facial recognition and knows everything about her. But mm-hmm. and I, I always say it anytime she comes in, I love Misty Knight. I think Misty Knight's so yeah, cool. She's but she's one of my favorites and one of my favorite cosplays. So looking up that the one day, I'm like, oh my, that's a rabbit <laughs> I hole. like that. So <laughs> you end up where as this goes on, then you have this play that everything's going to be taken care of by the you know these cape killers this whole play of we're in charge miles you don't get involved oh my god we got gal coming in and saying that you heard the lady i'm calling this one and then they keep going with this idea to really make it again cody ziggler does let you know and i think both of us got it that they have tussled with each other at points but also had to have teamed up at one point i'm saying that because that's how it seems to really go in this a couple editors notes but this seems like recent stuff anyway but then you go and you see that other people are involved and then the big thing like hobgoblin seemed to be like oh my god this is going to be featured yeah he's on the cover miles he's on the cover he shows up on the cliffhanger page like not even a page before it's a cliffhanger page where he goes and oh no prowler and then we have all that so it gets very personal going forward a lot of money there. I like that whole stack of money there in that suitcase. Mm-hmm. I love when they put like the the straps around the money. Uh, I don't know why, but I think that's cool. That means that you know what you're doing. Yeah, know. you know. So you yeah, end up that's in, next level. I love at the point too here where you have it. I I guess you don't really know how it's gonna maybe play out fully, but you have this hobgoblin's like, I need you to help me with a little spider problem. And he says, say less. I'm something of a spider expert myself. And if you didn't know, you see in the reflection, you see that he's, but right under it says next to Prowler. <laughs> and I'm getting well, I'm like, ah. Yeah, that, I mean, it, you know, it kind it's of a good reminder. It it's was a, a cool reminder. way, though, that if you knew, you're like, oh, crap. But that, uh, that's Cody Ziegler dialogue, that say less stuff, right? Oh, but yeah. Did you ask Logan or any of your kids if that's what they say on the streets? I don't know. I haven't heard that one. My kids say stuff like, "What was that one he was saying?" What are you bothering us, bet? Yeah, bet. that was the one. Yeah, I asked my kids. Uh, Softboy actually said he says bet all the time. I think it was Softboy who said Never it. Never heard that. Slack. I mean, I'm not. I've heard it. I've heard it. It's it's that's that's young kids' territory. I I don't say so. <laughs> once I heard sus, I couldn't stop saying that and shade. But and then no no cap, you were on it for a while too. I think you were saying that no cap. That's, and it usually comes from my kids. But I ask yeah. them, I'm like, you go around and say bet all the time. I'm like no, <laughs> and I'm like, really, you don't? They bet. They, I'm surprised they didn't throw it at me and go. But they're like, now nah, nobody says that anymore. Is what they said. It's probably not true, but that's what they say. I hear what they yell on like Xbox Live. A lot worse than just you can't say it on this podcast. No, we would be canceled, and they are often uh, suspended <laughs> in that. So I, I, they when when they first started playing games, uh, they took my Xbox, uh, my whole what is it called, my gamer tag, and things yeah. like that, like Rafe did. Yeah, if I wanted that back, I, I'm permanently banned now. Like I, I don't think I could even access that because he got that permanently banned for just awful stuff. Awful stuff, but mm-hmm. those are my kids. But what would you give this? I'm actually going to go progressively higher. I'll give this one an eight, just because I, I 
I was I hate surprised. To give you the same score that you have every yeah. one to make it seem like it's a play, but I'm going. No, we haven't well. talked about it. Yeah, I, I, I'm giving. We never do. We never ask yeah. the scores, but uh, eight out of ten for me. Yeah, I mean, it if was... the art wasn't as confusing at some points, I could go to an eight five. I actually yeah. was. I was impressed. And again, I know that a lot of people like the art in this book. I, I've read some reviews and things like that. I'm not saying that the art is is bad. I'm saying that some of the progressions and that extra snow layer there really throws you off sometimes in what's going on. But some of the progression of the fight got a little wonky of following, you well, know, the is, choreography. But that was fun. It's it a big reminds fight. me of uh, Umberto Ramos, who's a another artist very similar. It's not my favorite type of art, but it's there's a lot going on. That's why it's that's right, and that's why I think it's pretty cool. Like I'll, I'll give it that play where I say I get a little confused with the choreography, but it's because it's twenty pages of fight, and there's you know back nothing really gets that like left behind because yeah. of it. and so I, I go when you have the uh, when you go to the flashback to show the training with the saber, the venom saber. Without any backgrounds, it, it looks really cool. Like, I really like that part. So I realized, like, oh, man, yeah, I like this art but in that snow deal. It just didn't jive with I me. think, And I think Ziegler probably works with the artist and adds uh, a lot of the quips and stuff in after the art is finished to, like, kind of place like it the in there. Way. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of that. A little but bit of that. that's the big play here before we go off is I if, if you are anybody out there who had gotten a hold of me, because I'm telling you, a lot of people did. People would ask, oh, aren't you reviewing Miles? Hey, you should check out Miles. And I'd always just say, I don't like Cody Ziggler, so probably not, probably not. Well, I think they might have been right. It, it's pretty good. It's better than any of the other stuff before. And maybe I just didn't give him enough of a chance. But I think I gave him enough of a chance. He's just, yeah. he's a newer comics writer, I think, that he's actually improving which is something that's a good a jumping on do. point though this is a good good one <laughs> i'm telling you i go back and read it and i'll come back next week i'm like i hated everything that i read but <laughs> this is a good jump and it's that's again one of the things about events and things like that are it does end up at points being a benefit because you start reading something that you wouldn't normally have read i would have never have checked out miles at all if it wasn't for this and now we did and i'm actually interested in if anything We'll continue going forward and, and review it on the, on the podcast. So that's a, a bonus for mm-hmm. some, maybe. Some are probably great. Don't need you doing more books. But we'll go off now because there are still more books for this week. Still three more. But we're going to go off right now. Me and Zach are going to talk about Punisher. And I'm here with Zach. What up, Zach? What's up, Jim? What's up? And we're here for Punisher number two. The first review that we did, I I actually was surprised that anybody ended up saying anything about that being good it was pretty piss poor and uh i think this one's worse i think (laughs) this is uh, this is one of the worst issues that i've read in a way that it angered me as i was reading it because it's trying to do pretty much the simplest thing and it can't get that right it is written by david p pose i like to say artist p pose Art by David Wachter, colors by Dan Brown, and letters by VC's Corey Petit. If you don't remember what happened last issue, it doesn't really matter. I mean, no. that's pretty much how we'll start that off. It doesn't matter. Just remember that his, you know, Joe, people aren't even going to remember his name. Joe Garrison, his house blew up, his family died. His family that resembles exactly like Frank Castle Punisher. And the big play in our first issue was, we said, why don't we get Frank? I think that what this is is this crazy little buffer zone 
that we're going to end up getting Joe Garrison, and then people are going to just desperately want Frank back so much that we'll get him out of that situation that Jason Aaron and the whole Daredevil slash Punisher deal got it into. I don't know. I'm expecting Joe Garrison to just go straight out and be a like U.S. agent kind of character as to cap as that's what I do. If you want to bring back Frank, make Joe Garrison such a piece of crap. When Frank comes back, he's like the softer side. What this does is try to end up being it's trying to be an 80s, 90s action movie. We talked about it. The last issue, one of the big trash talking one liner type things. First off, they're not even one liners. They're just kind of meandering nonsense because the one was, hey, you're soaked with whiskey and I have a lighter. I'm like, that, that's just explaining what's happening in the room. Like, and that happens a lot in this one, too. But what happens here in this in this issue? David Peepose tries to make it like Dread. He tries to make it like Dread where you're going to go through levels, almost like a video game. And instead of Dread, I said, it's dreadful. It's terrible. It's awful. But we do start in the NYPD 15th Precinct where for a second we end up having those detectives and they're still looking into the case. But what looking into the case means is they're just staring at a computer screen that doesn't seem to have anything new except this picture of Joe. And they're like, man, he worked at this Aegis Corporation. But the funny thing is, there is no Aegis Corporation. Oh, no. They say, oh, he's ghosted us. We don't know where he is. You have to remember that they're looking for him because they think he blew up the house. So then all of a sudden they see some of the footage that they had with Hyde down in the subway. And they're like, I love the idea. They're like, oh, my God, what has Joe Garrison been doing? They don't say, who is that monstrosity that he's fighting? Or why does he wear armor that has pretty much the Punisher symbol on now they're just like, oh man, he's in the subway fighting monsters. Pretty crazy. From there, we go off to see the offer, who is a character that's been around before. Get this crazy narration while guys that aren't the offer are killing people. You also end up seeing that, oh my god, the offer, he was killed by Sabretooth. That didn't stick. I'm like, all right, well, what's going on? Joe is going to fight through the offers gang to get to him to then ask him who blew up my house i don't know why joe knows or cares that this guy knows it's it nothing's set up you just come in here and you see this guy walking in and then you end up seeing joe garrison punisher enter the building and, and go and try to kill him and it's it's pretty bad i mean i can understand like oh i need information because i killed the last guy you know the sokovian who was supposed to have all the information he's the one who carried out the hit so i can understand like oh well he he knows everything that goes on in the criminal world or whatever there's no setup what do we care why not push the whole play up joe says this guy he should know what's going on but even then you end up really fighting through his lame crew and it's the night shift, Bushwhacker, the oh, Eel no. Finesse, and Doughboy. I'm like, does anybody care Not about this? Because, yeah, I know. And they're, they're all there together, posing off. And then you just get the fights. And the fights are not good. You end up where the eel walks into a room and Joe's doing the classic hanging on the ceiling above the door. 
And then he just ends up falling down on him, sprays him with a fire extinguisher and hits him over the head with it. That's it. Eel done. Yeah, he hits him once. He's like, that's to knock him out. The second blow is to teach him some manners. And it's just like, oh, he's knocked out. He doesn't know any manners. It's all ridiculous because then he's like, all right, Triple A, sorry, I lost you. I had to take care of a bad connection. And you're like, really? Like, really? What, what are you doing? <laughs> I was about to do the rim shot, Jim, and you beat me to it. So then he walks, and all of a sudden, Triple A's, oh, my God, there's somebody there that I can't track. And then he, oh, luckily, that was told to me because it's finesse. Ooh, the Taskmaster's daughter, let's fight. And they start fighting. She's kind of beating the crap at him. The only interesting thing is she says, oh, I can tell by your moves you're not the Punisher. You have different color hair. You're shield. What's going on? And then if you look at the progression from where he goes from the eel to when he gets kicked in the face, roundhouse kicked in the face, he doesn't have the eel's glove on. He has two black gloves on. He doesn't have it on. It doesn't even look like you gave him enough time to even grab that glove when we ended up going from it. Suddenly he says, but I've got a party trick of my own. She says, have you ever met Nick Fury? Or were you before his time? Huh. And then you have Joe say, that's some real fancy footwork, kid, but I've got a party trick of my own. And then he ends up shocking her and says, hey, courtesy of your pal, the eel, when did he grab that glove and when did he put it on? Because he did not have it on. You see both hands multiple times. It's just ridiculous. Then he moves on to fight Doughboy. Doughboy just comes out. And if you don't know, Doughboy's pretty much Marvel's version here of, of Clayface. Yeah. In something like this, you have to at least have the hero, and I say hero, that's loose, uh, the idea that you think he might not be able to get through these people. He ends up where he's like, uh-huh, and the big play here, because he has his armor on, and every, all of them keep mentioning, you know, they're growing up and what they did. I mean, it's like, it, this is your life going on as these fights go <laughs> on. Joe does mention things of, hey, I have intel from that, or hey, you know, could say, Triple A, tell me about this. You could do that through them, not a villain who shows up and says, honestly, it wasn't hard to do this, and hey, everybody at school laughed at me. I stole formulas from my father, who works for Arnim Zola. Why, why <laughs> is this the thing that you're doing here? And so the big one-liner here is, hey, who do you think stronger? Your synthetic body or my shield ballistic armor. And that's not trash talk. That's like me and you fighting. And I'm like, hey, who do you think can punch harder, me or you? I don't know. And you punch me right in the face. Me, Jim. It's me. Yeah. Yeah. He blows up his armor. And that just takes out Doughboy. We move on. We move on. We get the Bushwhacker who makes, you know, guns, living guns. And he hey, how does it feel fighting a living weapon? And at this point, I want Joe to just say, well, actually, I'm kind of bored. Because I know Jim is right now reading this because it means nothing. It, it's awful dialogue. And it's just, okay, if you want to do this, just get up to the offer and say, hey, who, who killed my wife? I mean, it, it's so lame of what is going on. But they're going up and down. At one point, there was where you had to point out the deal of like, oh, my God, out of nowhere, I'm in a piano bar. Yeah. Okay. All it is is to set up that he's going to blow up the roof when they're under the piano bar, and you end up where Bushwhacker's fighting, and out of nowhere, Joe says, Hey, you think we're underneath the bar? Huh, what do you want, a last drink? That's that's Bushwhacker, as you can tell from my yeah. impersonation. I, I would guess that he's probably Australian. He's like, hey, 
What do you want? One oh, last might... drink, mate? How about we put a shrimp on the barbie, eh? And then he's like, nah, I'm more of a piano man. And he hits the deal and the roof blows up and the piano comes down. All right. Then there you go. Piano man. Okay. A little Billy Joel reference. So you go from there. And then, then he just like walks into the room with the offer. And he's like, oh, man, well, what happened? Would you kill all my guys? Hey, let's make an offer. He's like, I have one offer I want. Tell me some info about who was after me and why they blew up my my house and killed my wife and kids. I thought he was going to have to call at least one person. But he's like, oh, yeah. you didn't get that? Like, you really don't know? This is on the tip of everybody's tongue. They even have him go into a suitcase and, like, try to, wait a minute, I think I have something filed there. No, he's just like, huh. You don't know? Get this. Your wife, she found out about some crazy payments. She blew the whistle on it, and they killed her because that's what happens when you end up being a snitch. I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, like his wife was working with criminals and and supervillains. Like, that's what I thought it was that. The idea that he was living his, it's almost like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but when you go to see the movie, Mrs. Smith is already dead. And you're like, oh, my God, I didn't know my wife was involved with supervillains, but I was involved with S.H.I.E.L.D. No, no, no. She was just a secretary who flagged a couple payments that were going to bad people, and they killed her her kids. <sighs> so you end up where Joe sees this, and he's like, what? But he doesn't react that crazy. And then he's like, oh, oh, God. And then that's where the offer's like, yep, that's the crap that happens. You get put in the crosshairs and all this, and you see that. Joe is kind of getting annoyed more in my mind of the the offer just yap yitty yakking. So the offer hands him a thing and says, "Here's an address. This is all I got. Industrial warehouse off Pier 37." The guy knows everything. He just, yeah, he just looked into it in his off time. Yeah, so he's there. Here he gives him this piece of paper, and Joe is like, "Oh, that's cool." And then you don't even see him do it, but he grabs the offer. And throws him out of the building, out the window. I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, really? Because just, you know, I know that these are bad people, right? I'm not saying that mm-hmm. Joe is that good either. But you just broke into this guy's building. You killed, maimed, or just knocked the hell out all of his people on his payroll. Then you busted into his office. Now you're throwing him out a window. Like, why are you doing that stuff? At this point. Maybe, just maybe, you can use the offer again. Maybe you say, listen, if you, if I need info, I'm going to call you. And if not, I'm going to come and wreck house again, something. But no, he has to be a badass. Somebody throws him out the window, and it ends up just being like the first lethal weapon where he like crashes on a car, and he's moaning, and then looking quite like either Wesley from Wanted or possibly Eminem. He says, don't worry, you'll live. And I wanted the offer. I want him just at the... Can't hear you. I'm 40 stories down. Jerk, I can't hear you whispering your nonsense lines. The big play, which I just rolled my eyes. My wife, well, at least they died doing the right thing. I'm like, really? That's what our guy here, and that's what our Punisher is saying. He's still going to go try to find, obviously, the people who did it. But it's that idea of, yep, man, my wife, what a (laughs) do-gooder. It sucks that, you know, my kids died, but hey. They were doing the right thing. His first thought is, oh, all this time I thought my family died because of me, but they only died because they did the right thing. And I'm just like, that's not going to be my takeaway. My takeaway is going to be like, 
oh, those assholes, they killed my wife and children. He's like, oh, man, so my wife died doing the right thing. And then the officer's like, wait a minute, you didn't hear? Your son, he was doing chores when it happened. And your daughter, she was doing her math homework. Oh, my God, they were doing the right thing as well. Oh, my God. Thank God. They both did. All three of them, they died doing the right thing. They ate their vegetables, Jim. Did you know? Hey, by the way, the offer just keeps going. I I also heard that when they were actually just about to die, they were watching the movie do the right thing. Oh, my God. They're saints. He's like, they have to be saints in heaven. They did the right thing. And if it's me because I'm a piece of crap, what it really is, is like, oh, God, I mean. I was lying about what I did, and I got my family killed. That's crazy. Oh, no, no. You didn't hear? Your wife got your family. Oh, thank God. That's that's how I took it the first time I read it. Thought it was me. Thank God. I mean, that is a relief. I had a lot, a lot of weight on my shoulders from that. I'm, I'm just glad right now that I can say that it was her fault, not mine. This is awesome. Upon my first reading, when I got to that point where he's like, oh, all this time I thought my family died with me, because, but instead it was because they did the right thing. I was thinking, is he saying, thank God his family didn't die because of him? That's what I thought. He doesn't have any guilt now. He's like, oh, man, that is awesome. Thank God. He high fives the offer. Shield agent Joe Garrison didn't ruin the day. These lines, these crazy lines that he ends up saying, like throwing a guy out of the window and saying, hey, uh, I think you'll live. (laughs) A real great action line. Even one of the last narrating things he says, he's like, it's almost funny. I thought learning the truth would free me from my demons. All it did was let me off my leash. Yeah. What? Oh, geez. And then you're there. Like, I I can't even, you know, I I, want to say something like, watch out. The first steps of deuce. I don't know what I'd say. If I threw this guy, actually, I wouldn't say anything. I'd laugh and leave. You don't have to trash talk a guy that's 40 stories down. I'm not even going to try to be David P. Post. So what would you give this? I'm I'm going to go 4.5. I'll, I'll give it a 4.5. I'm a three. This is terrible. I do. I do like the artwork other than that one time where it's just it was very important. We should have seen the purple glove. Man, it's nothing that's going to make me buy it over this awful oh, no. story. This is an awful, awful book. It's like I said, it's it, to do something with the Punisher, even if it is Joe Garrison. It's 80s, 90s movies you're trying to do, and you just fail every step of the way to make it boring. You don't care about any of these night shift guys and gals. You just are like, no. come on, get over, get there. And when they, he gets there, he just gets told the info. He's happy he's not, you know, guilty. And it wasn't his fault, and then throws the guy out the window. The end. And even then, the beginning, I said, you start off, and it doesn't even feel well-connected that much to the last issue. It's just bull crap, and this book's nonsense. Bring back Frank Castle. Just get back the Punisher. But not only that, because this could be cool. Get a good writer. It's just so bad, there's no reason for it. So we'll see. We'll see what other people think. But with all of that, we're going to go off. We still have White Widow, so I'm not going to say that this is the worst book. I haven't read it as we're recording, but we'll see. But also Blade, me and Gray. We'll be talking about those in just a sec. And I am here with my man Gray. What up, Gray? Hey, Jim. Are you Genki today? Oh, God. I wish. I wish. Maybe. You always get me Genki. But by the end, I think both of us will kind of be angry. Because we have two books that me and you are going to talk about. Finish up the show. And the first one is one that we really like. One that we have been enjoying. And that is Blade. And... The last issue, we talked about Blade going after the Adana. This seemed to be the setup of let's go and get this big bad. 
the, the baddest of the bad wants to destroy the world pretty much throughout the whole thing has set up blade to be like a chump everything blade has done that he thinks he's going to stop this done it ends up making her actually brought her back then ends up getting rid of the one person who could take care of her then gives her a sword i mean all these things he has been kind of a chump that they don't really go too much into that's where doctor strange was there to talk a lot of crap on him uh but when we get to the end of that last issue you end up seeing that he goes to dracula and he wants to get trained and things and i thought that that was kind of cool not many people did i saw when people were commenting on the video that we put up from these on our youtube channel things like that people were rolling their eyes and not liking the idea of Dracula oh, really? being in the book. And it actually did surprise me a bit because I thought that would be kind of a cool deal. And we get to this issue and me and you might have a little difference in it. I still like it. I'm going to actually try to convince you why it is pretty good. While you thought that it was, you said, a little boring, I said right? to you, yeah, it was it was okay. But I remember when it was good in the first few issues, I was really enjoying it. Blade is one of those books, I swear to God, you could read a trade in maybe half hour. It is so quick. Uh, but, like I said, I'll try to convince you that this is pretty good. And it is Blade number six, written by Brian Hill, art by Lee Ferguson, colors by K.J. Diaz, letters by V.C.'s Corey Petit. One of the things we were worried about, though, is he ended up having that big setup in the first bunch of issues with the Sedona and the thing with Blade. And then all of a sudden, things like really like pedal to the metal. And then in that light, like you didn't end up even getting rid of that big bed. At one point, we were afraid that it was going to be canceled. There were rumors that it was actually canceled. And I asked Brian Hill and he said, no. And here we are. We are continuing it. And usually... With the Marvel stuff, you have blocks of five because of the way that they end up doing their trades. So hopefully it does continue. But I do think that somebody said to him, listen, we got to get Dracula involved for some reason. But we have it here in, in Dracula's training blade. One of the things that you brought up, too, is the lack of Elena Casagrande again, which we liked her art on this book. And I, I don't know, I maybe she's not on it anymore because she had backup artists fill in, fill in stuff, and now we have a whole new artist. So we'll see. That's a shame, isn't it, Jim? It's not terrible, the art, but it's, it's not her. It's not as good as it has been. And you can see the difference on the cover. She does the cover, and it's great. And it's like, inside, it's, it's okay. And I think people really do like her fight scenes. You have, and usually you'll have a couple spread pages. So if she was on this, I think it would have even read quicker. They are pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, they are. So you're there in Chernobyl. You're there with Dracula, and you have Blade training. And Blade is beating these like blood visages, these blood vampires that Dracula is able to make. And it's kind of a weird play where you have Dracula as the mentor. Obviously, they don't like each other that much, especially Blade towards Dracula, but that's where the weird play of this is. It almost comes out by the end is, oh, my God, I didn't know I had the vampire inside me all along while Dracula starts to talk and try to convince Blade, you know, I'm a little better than you think. I actually, not that he has the human inside of him, but he kind of wants to show Blade that in the background of all this, I do think that Dracula's full of crap. And he's going to end up, and he does something in this that might end up being interesting later. But I do think that Dracula is playing a game 
with Blade. But overall, the thing that I like about it, where you have Blade training, he's beating up all these, you know, blood things and blood zombies, they're called. And Dracula just keeps telling him, listen, you're fighting these things as a human. You're not fighting them as a vampire. And really going with Blade is the idea of you you got to embrace the vampire within you. you got to end up, you're not going to beat the Sadana as a human. She knows She knows that. She's going to take advantage of it. And you're not using all your power then. You have to embrace the vampire. But, of course, Blade doesn't want to do that. And the thing that it got me, it really felt, I don't know if you would have ever watched the movie Miracle about the 1980 U.S. Olympic gold medal team. Uh, it's a really good movie. But the big no, play of that it. is. Yeah, so the big play of that is that, and that's a huge thing in the U.S. It's it's a little less now that time has gone, but it's still a big thing. But big thing is getting college players to be on a team, and the coach, played by Kurt Russell, awesome, he ends up where, and it's Herb Brooks in real life, he ends up saying, who do you play for? And these kids kept saying, oh, I play for University of Minnesota. And then he'd make them do laps. Who Who do you play for? And it went on and on and on until one guy actually figured it out and said, I play for Team USA. He's trying to make that's kind of what this reminds me of. He Dracula wants Blade to say, I am a vampire. I'm actually a vampire, but he just keeps holding back. Where I do think that you should play out the deal. Dracula, I think in one line could have convinced Blade to do it a little earlier, even though it is pretty quick. The idea, what do you think everybody looks at you as? If you see Blade, do you think Man or do, everybody thinks vampire the minute Absolutely. you see him, you yeah. know, yeah, half vampire, but it's the vampire side that affects everything that he does. The vampire, if he goes and talks to the Avengers, he talks to this, they are thinking about him being half vampire, not sitting there thinking you're half man. It, it, it's just how it is, unfortunately. And it's kind of a sad thing. And I think that that's what I like about this is it is kind of, you know, Giving you that play of, hey, Blade, it's sad and all. I know you hate being that half vampire, but that's why you are what you are. If he's not half vampire, he's no hero at all. He'd have that's no it. use. He just I think be he's a afraid dude. to, isn't he? He's afraid to fully embrace the vampire side in case, you know, it takes him over. Exactly. Yeah. That's the big play. And I, I really like that where you think of that side with Blade, the idea, you know, and he says, like, when are you? You have the limits of man. And he says, I am a man. And Dracula's like, listen, you know, so so was I at one point. I was a righteous man. But if you're fighting this fight, unfortunately, you're gone. It's like, you know, Bruce Banner wants to just be Bruce. But if he ends up, if the world's coming to an end, you need the Hulk. And yeah. I think that the idea, and, and we're going to have Hulk next issue, which is a good play because, unfortunately, with Bruce, a lot of times when he becomes the Hulk, he, there's no controlling it. So there's the problem. Blade can control it a little more. So it's, you know, you almost think that Bruce would be pissed off. Like, at least you get to be that half man at all times. I I can't. I'm a monster or I'm a man. There, there's no half, half or what. And so when he's fighting this, I do like that play. I do like that you want Dracula because it works out in action movies it works out in martial arts movies this but then you have that side that you keep thinking it's dracula's just trying to use them and yeah dracula wants him to be full vampire and would want him on his side and all that so there is that little extra deal at that that blade doesn't want to end up you know going full and so dracula ends up having more 
you know, vampires, things attack Blade to the point where Blade needs to go ham. And I don't know if it played out as well. Yeah, he ripped the guy's arm off and he's grabbing intestines out of another. But they are vampires. So it it's not like you're thinking, okay, he's still just Blade. He's just pissed or whatever. Kind of want him to start biting people at this point or yeah. really showing that he is embracing. He's really surprised me. Like you say, like the ripping the limbs off scenes. Like when he's killing with the sword, it's fine. But I didn't know he was that um, strong, that powerful. Can he do that? Can he rip somebody in half? And isn't that the cool play? Because you haven't really seen him do that. If he no, lets he loose, he can. So you see, here's the thing. He rips a guy in half, actually. I said intestines. He grabs this guy and that rips him in half. That is crazy, that scene, yeah. So to me, as a character work deal with Brian Hill, he's showing you all, like, you could sit there surface level and go, holy crap, like, Blade kicks ass, oh my goodness. But you could also sit there and say, oh, you know what, that's where I see Blade is a hero. He doesn't do stuff like this all the time because he is able to keep it under control and wants yes. to. Like, it's almost like you can see in a fight, if you go back to any fight in the past, you can then say, he got beat up. He got all this when he could have ended it right away, but didn't want to embrace that darker side. I think it's really cool. You got Dracula saying to him, like, that was not the work of a man. After he rips that guy in two, he's like, oh, jeez. And I think at this point, it's funny, even though they're vampires, you know, what really would have been terrible, all of a sudden, he rips that guy in half. And these fake vampire teeth come out. And we realize they were all humans. And then oh, Blade no. would flip out like, hey, now you did it. You crossed the line. But Never trust Dracula. That'd be crazy. I like when you have Blade there and he's like calming. To, there's an eyeball next to his foot. He ends up coming down. He's like, all right, I guess. Like he's He really doesn't want to do this, but he's got, if he doesn't beat that down, the, all the, everybody's dead anyway. So why not just go for it? Why not go for the deal? But that's when Dracula, again, if you want to look at it at that idea of just, oh, it's lame Dracula helping Blade, but I just keep thinking that Dracula is doing this. Let me get him. Let me show him how the vampire side so he really will embrace it. Then I can have him drink my blood mm-hmm. and then I can end up controlling him. And, and Blade starts talking. And again, I wish that you had Blade say, you know, a little more than just no. And then Dracula says yes, and he goes, okay. I mean, that's really what it is. He says to Dracula, what is the deal? You're going to control me. How does this work? And he's like, no, no, no. I'm not really giving you my power. I'm giving you our power. I'm giving you the power of the vampires. And when you drink this, you're going to see just what it is to embrace that side. Let me ask you, Jim, if Dracula offered you a drink, like we had his blood, it's got DMT and it's got Adderall in it. Would you take it? No, no. <laughs> Not I, mean, I, I do. I do. We say that I took the Adderall earlier because I have uh, ADHD, but maybe. No, I, I, it would weird me out. But I don't even like drinking like tomato juice. And then have that, it'd be all warm. Like, can we chill this a little? Maybe, you know, <laughs> mix something in with it, like a, maybe a vodka. He's very trusting, isn't he, Blade? He takes it and he drinks it. And then he's like, he looks like he's in trouble. I might want to say, like, can we get some, you know, lab tests here? I've I've seen Dracula at points where you, like, go into a room and Dracula will be there with, like, 900 naked guys and gals. I, I, I might need him to be tested for some STDs before I actually do <laughs> yeah. this whole thing. Like, I, I think right away 
is and that, seriously though I, uh, this is what we're seeing here it actually is the truth that's how tommy lee got hepatitis he ended up drinking some of dracula's blood i heard that one time uh on a documentary but you end up with all this going down he is going to embrace that vampire side so by the end When you see that next up the Hulk, which you do have Bruce trying to get a hold of, you know, Blade because of this Adana and Adana bringing monsters out and things like that, it's affecting him. I'm not so sure that we're really talking to Blade anymore. I think that when you end up seeing the Hulk and even the the cover for next issue, I think the Hulk's there might actually have to knock some sense back into Blade because I think he might be a little frenzied. But I, li- I like this. I actually liked it. I like seeing where Dracula is explaining, hey, you know, I'm pretty bad. I'm Dracula, for crying out loud. But I wasn't always a vampire. I was somebody who ended up going to war and fighting battles for what I thought was my god, things like mm. that. And then, you know, unfortunately, circumstances led me to being a blood-sucking fiend of Dracula. I might be the worst of the worst. But at one point, I wasn't just that. It's okay. I, I thought that the Dracula stuff and what you can watch and think of while it's going on is a little deeper than maybe what is on the page. You know what I mean? If you think about things as you're going. But, yeah, at the end, I just think that I think Dracula's trying to control Blade, which would be a, uh, a notch in his belt. That would be something that he would really be happy about. So we'll see. But even then, when Dracula says at the end, are you a man? He's like, not anymore. And I do like it's like that whole mentor deal. Uh, of it, including how Blade came about and the things with his past. Like, I have done enough for you. Now leave my house, Daywalker. I'm like, ooh, he's kicking him out. But yeah, I think he wants him to just go kill Adana, obviously, but then we'll see the repercussions of drinking that awful blood. But next issue, we get Hulk. But what would you give this? Well, um, yeah, as I say, it's not, it's not a bad issue. It's just not as good as I thought it was earlier on. Not a lot happens, does it, Jim? Even though we get some great fight scenes with him fighting Dracula in various guises, you know, bats and smoke. Yeah, that's cool. So overall, I'm going to give this, let's see, 6.5 out of 10. Okay. I'm an 8 out of 10. I really liked it. It's it's not perfect, but I'm excited to see what this means. I think that what we're going to get in this book, unfortunately, might be something like we're seeing for next issue. We might get guest star of the month i don't know that this book it doesn't seem to be selling great and so i think that you're going to start adding a lot of things just to have hulk on the cover people would look like oh my god dracula and blade i gotta go oh my god hulk and blade like it seems like it's gonna end up being something like that which does tend to happen a lot doesn't it with these um books that aren't really selling as well it works i mean blade going around you know Solving crimes, making up rhymes. He could just join up with some people. I don't know, but we'll see how it goes. But I'm eight out of ten. I'm looking forward to it. But we'll move on to the next book. Is anybody reading this book? Is anybody looking forward to it? Because me and you, we're reading it, but we'll we'll be talking about an idea where I'm going to try to convince you not that it's good because I don't think it is, but how it might be good. And that book, of course, is White Widow number two, written by Sarah Gailey, art by Alessandro Miracolo, colors by Matt Nelia, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Yeah, this is this isn't good. It's Yelena. I like Yelena, but I do think that Sarah Gailey is just going off the Yelena in the movies. Doesn't really get the deep dive that maybe she could have, and there's parts in this issue. 
that I'll point out that should have been a slightly different play and maybe could have been better. But I told you before we started, I, you know, obviously I always will blame the writer for a bad story. That's the thing. But maybe with a stronger bit of, you know, editorial, maybe guide uh, a little bit, maybe it could have been better. But here we go. I know you don't like this, but we start off with Wolverine and Yelena not long ago in a diner. I'm telling you right now, there is a sign in the back where it, it looks like a hamburger is $11.50. I love a hamburger, but I'm no Rockefeller. I'm not there paying. And this is the play. You end up where Wolverine is there. Why he's in a diner, I don't know. He ran into it. Yelena was hired to kill Wolverine. In the meantime, somebody else, another assassin, was also hired to kill Wolverine. So now Wolverine and Yelena are there together while this other assassin is trying to come and maybe kill them both. They want the payday, right? So what then happens is Yelena says, hey, lady assassin, you didn't know you're on a tripwire. And then the whole place goes kablooey. Now, when that happens, it looks like it looks like they're making it rain at a strip club. How much money is in that diner? I mean, this thing blows up and it's a money bomb. Money everywhere. I'd be shoving it in my pants. It was like the idea where you're in one of those clear tubes and the money starts going around. You have to grab whatnot. I'm like, man, you could be rich in here. But all it is is to show that Yelena, hey, remember she was an assassin? And she kind of ends up trying to help people at the point where Wolverine, who doesn't sound like Wolverine at all, says, you know, you should be a teacher. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, because we did review the first, I'm, I'm not mistaken, right? We reviewed the first issue, right? We did, and we went in um, op- optimistic. We went in open. We went in very fair, didn't we, Jim? But I think we both had problems with, um, yeah, the way the way it was written, the kind of standard voice for all the characters. Do you remember anything really about that? Be- besides Yelena drinking every I other page? I remember the drinking. Yeah, I remember the drinking. Because we laughed about it. I didn't. I actually, at a point here, when Wolverine says, you know, you should be a teacher, I start thinking, like, did they get her a job at a school or something? And, like, it, things start swirling in my mind because, un- unfortunately, right now, or at least at a point, Harley ended up being a teacher. And I'm like, Oh, no, no, that was Harley over at DC. So what was the deal? And then you just switch to Elena and she is at a farmer's market. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what is going on in this book? And then I kind of start, okay, I get it. But then you get a call on the phone where Elena's talking and they never quite tell you who it is. But it's that girl. It's the girl even from the first issue. But I don't remember that. I don't remember it either. I, I had no idea who she was talking to, Jim. I had yeah. no idea. At first, I thought that just because, like, is she talking to Black Widow? Is she going <laughs> to? No, no. It, it's this girl that she kind of is mentoring about. And the girl, obviously, we saw already, is going to be working with the big bad corporation that's doing everything bad. I mean, the idea of this, when you get a writer and they start writing things and the only thing that keeps getting shoved in your face is armament. We already know that this, you know, it's kind of like an Apple slash Amazon slash Walmart slash big corporation that's evil. And they control everything and they have drones that deliver your packages. I mean, it is really evil Amazon 
or just mm. Amazon if you, you want to go there. <laughs> so you, you end up with, with that going on. The idea, though, is there's no gray area here. You know who's bad, and you just have wacky situations around that that are things that could have been better. They could have been so much better because we go and she's in this farmer's market. And I'll give you my example of why I don't think that Sarah Gailey really gets that whole play of Yelena. At points, Yelena will be like, hey, what up? Hey, pretty cool with them kids, bet, hey. Like, the, the next thing she's like, I am at market of farmers. Like, it, she's rushing one panel, then she loses it the next. That's your main character. But Yelena has seen some things. You know, Yelena is smart. Yelena was trained to be smart, trained to be a killer, but still trained to blend in, trained to do all this. And she's there. And you want to play that fish out of water, but don't make her seem stupid that she doesn't know basic vegetables. I'll tell you right now, I have never in my life, it's funny, I've never eaten artichoke in my life. But if I see an artichoke, I know what it is and would say, oh, that's an artichoke. I never had one of those. Not, what is fancy flower vegetable? Uh, why? Maybe they don't have artichokes in Russia. That's all I can think. <laughs> They're mainly from Greece. Is the, But she would probably know that. Or even yeah, if she doesn't yeah. know the deep dive of artichokes, she might be able to see. Again, there's a lot of vegetables I haven't seen and some that I wouldn't know, but not something like a radish or sweet corn. You were saying before, Jim, weren't you? These assassins, they've been taught. You know, they're not stupid. They're not dummies. They know things, you know. Just imagine, you know, Lena ends up, you know, she has to assassinate some official and she's got to blend in and things. And she's walking through like a fancy dinner party and things. Of, I do not know what that is. Is that a fancy flower vegetable? No, it, that's not. It's ridiculous. And you play this idea of this. Love, like, hate, dislike, hate, the, 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 this whole idea of her, you know, but I'm already bored with that. I was bored with it in the first issue and kind of loses it by, like, halfway through this issue. It's just ridiculous. I was bored with it the first few pages, Jim, and I told you, I only, I only kept reading to the end because we were reviewing it. I would have dropped it. She's there, and she's on the phone, and she's talking at the farmer's market with this other girl assassin that wants some Hey, I need some advice. I want you to mentor me. Hey, I'm getting this job. It's obviously with armament. And the big joke running through here is they have a dental plan. Ooh, a dental plan. But when this is going on, the fun things, they're missing out on so much. The fun things would be, and you have one little panel, but it's kind of repeated. But it's that Yelena doesn't understand what she should because she wouldn't just be on a phone talking about assassin stuff because she's smart enough and is an assassin. But if you're going to play the fun of it, she should be talking about, you know, well, you don't sever the carter artery because then you can't do this. Or before you kill them, get the information, not after, you know, and have people losing their minds around her and then have her try to explain. You don't do that. She's just talking about this job. She's buying things and looking at these vegetables, right? Yeah. This is where I think there's a missing bit here. You know, Yelena what did you think in the about red the room. point when she's talking about, you know, you know, science nerds with big flying secret bases, you know, she's saying, she's saying this out loud, secret bases in front of everybody. Out loud in front of everybody. <laughs> so then she, she looks at a radish, she's neutral. Okay, that's one thing. You get sweet <laughs> corn, she loves it, so do I. I'm quite neutral about radishes too. She has garlic, she likes that. I like it, but it, my tummy doesn't. I have, I have a weird... Uh, 
it's a sensitivity or it's not quite an allergy. You're a sensitive man, you, aren't you? Yes, I've heard that. And I am. I like garlic, though. Then you get beets. Dislike. You also get, you know, I guess it's uh, like frisee. Again, I don't. Uh, there are don't things I don't is. know. I thought it was kale. But you end up yeah, with beets. Yeah. She doesn't like beets. Okay, so I'll stop for a second there. Here's the thing. Yelena grew up in Russia in the Red Room. She dislikes beets. This could have been the perfect opportunity because I'm guessing that when she was in the Red Room, beets are one of the biggest vegetables in Russia. Beets are, it's like beets and potatoes are, show that that's all she was given to eat as a kid for years because they were pretty much torturing them. And she was in the Red Room and this ends up giving you at least a little bit of a flashback of her as a kid being forced to be an assassin. And that would give you so much character work in that in a simple play. Why do you show that and not use these things? That would have been such an easy thing to show. You know what? She was a victim. She was yeah, in the Give us something. Give us anything. Barely pays attention. She has it. It's there for a joke to say dislike. But again, show me why. Because I think why she dislikes it is because for years, that's all she was given to eat. And so use that stuff. So then she goes off from there. Scary flower. I don't know what this is. And meets up with the people from her apartment. Again, what you're playing here is you're going to have these little bubbles and these little placards of what Yelena playing the idea that she's done some work. She's done like she's somebody I, I like when Catwoman at DC's like this, where you see that once they Catwoman walks into a room. And right away, everything she sees is what she could steal, how she could escape, where you go. Some people do that. Some people don't with her. But I like that. Yelena would be somebody that sizes up everybody that she sees. She's an assassin. But that wouldn't mean, hey, always at work, that Rowan. This should be the funny play of here of not the, the description should all be how she could kill them, even though she won't. You can end up seeing you have a fish out of water in a town of Idlewood. Show that she's still the assassin and is trying not to be. Show that, like, Rowan, and it might be hateful, but he's in a wheelchair. Say, I'd end up being able to run upstairs. He wouldn't be able to fall. Like, stuff. It would feel like it's awful, but it would be what she would naturally do. She is somebody who, when she sees somebody, I guarantee you that what goes through her head is how she can kill them, even if they're friends. Even if they don't, she's not going to kill them. But no, you have these things of, Hey, Griffin, apparently interested in college. Oh, my God. And there's no way in my mind that Yelena would care or even write down anything about their sexuality. I don't know why she'd know or care. That wouldn't be anything that she would even have on there. Give me that little joke that she looks at everybody as a target or a victim and then play that throughout this whole damn miniseries to show you by the end that she's trying to learn not to be like that that's all you need I, i'm telling you it seems so simple eh, but you get these people <sighs> now i'm getting angry you, you i blame you pray i'm yelling and screaming you're not saying you know much i'm not letting you talk but i blame you it's your fault i'm just i'm scanning it's going down the pages like i'm just trying to get through this dialogue jim god it was a slog wasn't it to get through I, what awful. you just described is like so much more interesting than those two different parts you talked about than what you know what is on the page and so you have this and, and even the idea of like i see i want to play like i'm yelena and don't understand vernacular or things where you have this row and he's in a wheelchair and it says uses a wheelchair sometimes which you're like oh what when he's not sleeping he doesn't when it says uh 
but wants to chew the wheels, but not allowed. And I just want to take that surface level. I'm like, guy's got more problems if he wants to eat those wheels. Makes me giggle. I'm like, what are you doing here? So they're going back and back, back and forth. Hey, I, I work with Armament. Oh my God! You mean the one company that that's in this whole thing and that we all know are bad? Yeah, I work for them. Talked about yeah. What a surprise. Yeah. Oh, I work for Armament. Hey, you guys <laughs> should work for Armament too. I'll give you another thing. If this is actually an official Armament recruitment station here at the fair, or not the fair, it's a farmer's market. Which, just as an aside. We have a really huge farmer's market in our town. It's a big thing. And when Yelena says, hey, I don't like going around here because everybody wants to talk to you. It's true. It's so true. I See, that was good because I can't stand going there. There's two things that you end up when you go to the farmer's market in our town. You get people who will want to talk to you for no reason. And also you'll see at least three people missing some sort of limb. It, it happens all the time. Like there'll be the armless guy. And that guy doesn't have a leg, it's crazy But you end up with this guy, you know, Rowan Hey, you should work for Armament And then you have the girl Griffin Who says, oh, like I always look at things that I want to work at, like Vampire Who can give me the best Things, and says she researches That, well then you go and say Hey, you should research What's up with this Armament, it might not Be that great, and they say No way I don't do research. You just said you did. Then the mother's there. Did, am I wrong? But the mother-daughter thing here, they don't even feel like they know each other. No. Which, again, my no. kids probably would You're say that they don't know me. But they, it doesn't feel like it's like a family here. It just feels like random people that are just spouting nonsense. Then you get to Zelda from the first issue. And in a play, you have to show, oh, my God, I think that Zelda like Sabine and I'm like, yeah what a surprise Jim I just that's uh, yeah the name Zelda I've got a vague memory of that from issue one now that you said it it's like okay there we go that was you know the, the candy shop in, in the small town ah the one that got destroyed in the battle yeah the candy the shop that you know I'm ah. telling you in my mind a candy shop that like, meth in the back that's the candy it's all a meth <laughs> exactly. in the back right watch out oh so Zelda's there and they're like oh so then they end up where they're gonna get together back at Yelena's apartment something that feels weird but then you end up having the Sabine like going in the likes dislikes and like, oh man why do you lo- well, dislike this I do- why does she have this list up in her apartment I, from I any idea yeah because she said she wants to Categorize everything So anyone can read it like he goes to her apartment Yeah, so what happens when you're there At the apartment, well they went back to the apartment Because it's And it, I said, and you said to me Yelena, at least at points You're like, okay, I can see it's the movie Yelena, I can get it in my head But when you have these other characters They're just props They're just there, they're spouting dialogue That all sounds the same, they're not unique But then when you see this idea that Hey I heard you say that you like robotics, Griffin. Well, let me bring you back to my apartment to show you this robot eye that I got when I was assassinating things, but I really don't want you to know I'm an assassin. This is no set up in, the issue, in issue one or no? I have no idea. Was it? Okay. Beating up the robot. This is the play, though, is that she doesn't want people to know this, but she invites them in her apartment. I think that's yep. weird. And also just starts, yeah, I just happened to get this robot trash she says but while they're there 
There's a knock on the door. Oh, no, who could that be? Oh, it's Black Mamba and Diamondback, the assassins. I'm like, now you've really shown me that Yelena should get the hell away from every because she's going to get people killed. She should know. But again, everything that happens in here, I'm like, Yelena should know better, but not in this book. And now we have an assassin fight. This is insane, Jim. By the way, they don't knock on the door. I think they're just leaving. She opens the door. It's like, oh, oh, hi. They just happen to be standing outside. It's like, come on. I'll tell you right now what is happening. And oh I God. think that you have Sarah Gellius wanting to play the Pulp Fiction deal where they were going to break in and start, you know, wrecking house. But they had to talk first to discuss. Yeah. Do we have uh, a yeah. lethal force? It really is the when they're going in. You know, Jules and Vincent, they have to go down the hall and talk about, okay, you know, that was actually about foot massage that they were talking about. But in this, they're, they're discussing things and you have that deal. And then they just like, they just walk in and at points reading it. And I'm, I'm a dummy, right? But I end up like, what the hell is going on? Who are they? And they're like, no you're idea. not coming in like an assassin. They're there because they work for armament. And they're there to retrieve that robotic eye because what happened is Griffin was toying with it. And then, oh, my God, it's armament tech. Mom ends up yelling, oh, put that down because we go to armament charter school. We kick out. And I'm like, this is a mess. This This is is a complete and utter mess. And you get this fight scene that you barely follow. And in that, you know, just to ruin things, you have a like, dislike, love chart come up. And uh, I couldn't believe it. Yelena does not like familiar-looking assassins breaking into her apartment. That is a shock. I thought that she would like that. Then you end up these assassins, Black Mom and Diamondback, y'all. Yeah, we're part of the bad girls, B-A-T. I'm like, wow. Like, really? You're ridiculous. But the- Any idea what it stands for, Jim? I, I could come up with something for that <laughs> first letter, B. Big and dangerous. How about All that? this going off. I mean, I don't know. Bitches! That's just what I'm saying. I I hate to say it. But you end up where all that's going down, and they're fighting, fighting, fighting. Armament needs their tech. Hey, we're going to get out of here. Here's a note. I mean, it's so bad. Because then at the end, they just leave, and everybody's fine with it. They just got attacked by two assassins. You know, And crap was going all over the place. They just walk out, don't they? Still talking about dental plans. Dental plans, because that's what happens when you end up having the bad, you know, the bad girls. And they end up saying, hey, you should come and work with us, with armament, by the way. We just tried to kill you, but hey, yeah, come and work with us. And so this is (laughs) Elena trying to, like, connect the dots that everybody's connected and pretty much a a four-year-old could. Oh my god, Armament, do they have a dental plan? Oh no, my assassin mentor deal. And then they, they're sitting on the front step, just, you know, waxing poetic. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, hey, that's pretty crazy. We got attacked by assassins. Oh my, what a day we've had. Oh no, here comes a drone. Again, yeah, and it, the drone. It has uh, this drone is carrying I it had a smartphone in it. Yeah. Did you? I thought yeah. it was carrying a smartphone, and but it's carrying letters. It's carrying mail. a bunch of papers. Yeah. Ah, you know, I thought the postal union was stronger than this. I thought that that would have to go through the mail. You end up where I mean, the idea also of snail mail, electronic mail. Now we have fucking drone mail. Now I'm cursing. Drones delivering drone snail mail. mail. Yeah. On, oh my it's a great gracious. idea. Gracious, and it's like, hey. <laughs> You've interfered, you're kicked out of your apartment because you were armament and we're bad. 
I couldn't read these letters. I didn't even want to. I just scrolled down. I'll summarize. Bullcrap, bullcrap, more bullcrap. <laughs> oh, I summarized it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So they're going to get kicked out of their apartment because of the play of, oh, my God, we're messing with armament. They mess with the tech, yeah. And yeah. so that's it. It almost plays out it. like this would be the blackmail. You bet. Like they should. What armament would, in my mind, do? They'd go to Elena and say, listen, you join up with us or all the other people get evicted. Because really, Elena's here as just a casual tourist in this town. She could leave and go anywhere. But these other people, they have a life. This is their home. Do Armin, do they own all these, all the rental properties in town by, by the looks of things? It I think they like, own the town. Is it their town? Yeah. yeah. It's Roadhouse, but bullcrap. Everything you read in this, it's like it reminds me of something but worse. It's Roadhouse without Patrick Swayze. That's just no, no good. Patrick Swayze. And Terry Funk. I mean, how can you do that? So <laughs> I can't you remember the name. Uh, they're all upset. She says, it's time for Armament to meet the White Widow. And I want those people there. White who? Like, who are you? I'm White Widow. Oh, I only heard of Black Widow. That would have been funny, at least. Something. She's, and also in that, she like yells, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to take the Armament runs off. Gets her outfit on in the closet and seems to just like yell from there. They're on the porch still. They're like, we can't hear you. This is, it's bad. <laughs> it is really bad. It's absolutely bloody awful. You're playing the idea of tried to get out, but it keeps pulling me back in. But in such a wacky yeah. roundabout way that it could have been done through Elena and show Elena struggling to actually just be a normal person. Where are you having all those plays where she's trying to fit in and can't? Instead, what you have done is take her to a town that didn't know that they desperately needed her, so she's just full out assassin. It's just, it's it's ridiculous. Everything, instead of telling an organic story, so much is forced set up to just let Elena be Elena, and I, I think that that's a misplay, but we went on way too high. I thought this was going to be short. What would you give this? Well, Jim... Mr. Positive here, Gray, you know, I, I, I gave it a chance. As I, say, I, knew, I nearly gave up reading it. It was a slog to get through. You were saying the same thing. We thought it was like 40 pages or something. It was only 24. Um, I don't know what to say. I didn't I know what was going on half the time. The characters' voices all sound the same, apart from um, Yelena, who did sound like the movie version of Florence Pugh sometimes, and other times she sounded like, I don't know. Arnold Schwarzenegger? Give... I, I, I have no idea. Frankenstein's monster. I'm going to shock you <laughs> with this score. Two out of ten. Oh, Two. my God. That has to be one of the lowest scores you've given. Uh, the, Ever. The best, it is. The best part about it. Doesn't it matter. Doesn't matter. But. Doesn't matter. I'm a, I'm a four. It's hard. It's it's You're actually. Four. And that's, that's pretty positive, Jim. People would hear that score and like, oh, my God, what a negative man. Well, you just ended up giving it a two. So that, but I'm trying to be positive about it because there's some things that could be something, but I know they won't. So eh, I'm down to a three. We keep uh, this always happens. We keep talking. It happened early. We keep talking, and you know, I'm going to be down to a one. So we'll get out of here. But that's that. Thanks for joining me, Gray. As always, it was a blast. It was a blast. I'm actually you've really cheered me up with this review. You have seriously cheered me up. But there we go. I cheered you up a little. Oh my goodness! It's probably because of the sound bites that I hit. I, it might be that. But that's that. So thanks everybody, and uh, I'm going to go off and let everybody know. 
what we're going to be talking about next week. And we have a ton of books, ton of books next week. I don't know if we're going to get to all of these. There's nine books that we would normally cover here. We haven't had nine books on the show in quite some time. We haven't had that since we renumbered and all of that jazz. But I'm going to give you a quick lineup here. Hopefully we'll be able to get to all of them. Uncanny Spider-Man number five, Superior Spider-Man number two, Alien number two, Amazing Spider-Man number 40, Doctor Strange number 10, Incredible Hulk number seven, Spider-Boy number two, Daredevil Black Armor number two of four, and Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos number three of four. And so those are the books that are on the tentative schedule. I don't know, Uncanny Spider-Man, that really pissed me off in issue number four where we ended up having to go off to X-Men Blue Origins to get the big crazy reveal and the big talk between Nightcrawler and Mystique. So I'm sure me and Jason will finish out the series, but I'm sure we will bring up that. And Alien will be something that I'll try to get Zach to see if he wants to do a solo review on because he loves Declan Shelby. And then all the others are with me and Matt and Gray and everybody else so everybody i hope that you enjoyed the show this week i hope that you continue to listen and if you would throw us a review on apple Podcasts, that'd be cool spread the word and also if you want to help us out for everything we do and get a ton of shows in return marvel dc indie manga all of that all things comic bookdom you know, the idea that we love comics and like to listen to shows about said comics, go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. All the links to everything that we do are in the show notes, so check all of those out. But with all that, I bid you adieu, and I will talk to you all later. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.